You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. In this episode, Dr. Tony Nader answers students' questions on the steps to living and discovering one's real truth. Dr. Nader explains that we define ourselves through the eyes of others. But is it really who we are? We have to be able to get rid of stress and inaccurate input that is accumulated in our awareness, in our consciousness of our own reality, in order to find the true self that we are and live our truth. It's such a joy to be with all of you and... Uh... Thank you all, and look forward to thinking with you, I would say, more than just answering your questions. <laughs> uh, so please go ahead as you have planned. Hello, Dr. Nader. It's wonderful to be with you. Cultivating deep intuition is a central aspect of the developmental path toward enlightenment. On the way to higher states, it seems that intuition can sometimes be confused with an impulse coming from stress or another impression in the person. How can we better learn to discern intuition from karmic impulse while we are still on the way to enlightenment and to establishment in the self? Is intuition the same thing as dharma? Let me try to define intuition as such first. And it's really how Marshi explains it. And that is, intuition is a fine level of the intellect. It's the finest level of the intellect. So intuition is not uh, something that is esoteric or bizarre or we don't know where it comes from. See, the human nervous system analyzes things even when we are not conscious of the specific aspects that are taken into consideration during the analysis. It's a long sentence. I had to take a breath in the <laughs> <laughs> which means when you are to make a decision or you are thinking of something, there are so many variables and factors that come into making things happen. Let's say somebody is um, in the stock market and they want to buy a certain stock. And you will say, well, some people have intuition, like you are, you know, Buffett or somebody. And this Buffett seems to have the right intuition, you know, because why can't we choose like him and become billionaires? You know? And it's actually not just intuition as an esoteric feeling that comes from I don't know where. It is an analysis of the market that happens on the surface level of the mind, but also on some very deep level based on experience and knowledge and all kinds of hereditary things that person has, that they have kind of a computer in their brain that maybe wakes up, looks at the news, that's one factor, looks at the TV, looks at you know some other factors in society, and then there is an analysis that takes place of which the conscious intellect is not even able to completely comprehend although it can get a guidance and can try to understand. And then one feels, this is what I want to do. 
This is what I want to do. Why do you want to do this? Well, I feel like it. I have the intuition of it. But this intuition actually comes from pointers, factors, things that have, you have detected and that your brain analyzes and then gives you a summary of it. And your conscious awareness says, I want this, I want this, you know? So you can fall in love with somebody and you don't know why, you know? <laughs> and, uh, well, is there a logic to it? Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't, sometimes it's part of stress, sometimes it's part of true uh, reality, sometimes it's intuition. So it's a mixture of things that, that happen to you, and if it is a true intuition, it means it has been analyzed properly and leads to a proper decision. Now, your question is, so, okay, this is what intuition is. How do I differentiate this from a stress? For example, you know, I'm attracted to somebody, but I don't know if it is something evolutionary for me or if it's based on a stress or, you know, some, some things I've seen on television and suddenly, <laughs> you know, I got thought this is what I should like uh, and therefore, look, they are so happy on television and I found somebody like the one on television. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore I should do that, you know. So the way to differentiate that is by going back to the self, by transcending. So take your time. Take a step back when you are not sure. So when you feel not so sure, or when you are tired, when you are stressed, when you are under pressure, it's not the time to say, I have a great intuition. You know, most likely your intuition then is colored by kinds of some things that might not be true intuition, okay? So that's how to, to know. Otherwise, you know, don't spend life uh, wondering whether I should do this or not, or this or not. You know, it's like, even this Marsh's beautiful expression, he says, we have to move on, we have to make decisions, we make decisions the best way we can, and we don't spend our life wondering if it's a mistake or not. It becomes like I want to walk and I can calculate the probability that if I lift my leg up and try to put it in the front, there might be an earthquake that will happen underneath my right side, and I should probably not move this way but move to the left. But the probability is one in a trillion, 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 so it's okay, I can move because I can take the chance. The chances are very little. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous, you know. <laughs> it's extreme, well, my example, but you can find some people who make themselves crazy and, you know, stop doing anything, then the best way is to sit and do nothing and nothing will happen to you, but nothing will actually take you anywhere. So don't be afraid to move on, make the best choices based on clarity of thinking, stability, being anchored in being, perform action. Huh? Yoga, sta, kuru, karmani. <laughs> My first question is, in the modern era, there has been an upwelling of interest in yoga, mindfulness, 
Ayurveda and other brain development techniques, due perhaps to the changes in collective consciousness. How can MUM best distinguish itself in this increasingly crowded arena of spiritual development? And what should we say to future prospective students? Transcending is the answer. All of these other things are good, they're helpful, we welcome them, they're wonderful, and they are, as you say, the reflection of a rise in collective consciousness where people are searching to improve themselves, to improve their life, you know, we have to exercise, we have to eat properly, there are stretching postures, there are, you know, even being mindful of things is a good thing, you know, mindfulness, we, we don't say it's negative, it's only that it is superficial compared to transcending. Now, if we say it's superficial, people will think, oh, you're comparing, you want to be better, and it's kind of a marketing thing. It's not, it's really a different thing. As we say, the mind is like an ocean, and there is a surface, and there are the waves on the ocean. You can swim on the surface, it's beautiful. You'll enjoy different things. You can even dive a little bit and up like that. And, you know, if you see some nice fish, you can look at it. This is mindfulness. You be mindful. <laughs> I'm not undermining it. You can laugh, but <laughs> you can see the fish. It's beautiful. It's enjoyable. You're mindful of it. You're not swimming aimlessly with your mind floating, you know, like this, not enjoying anything. Be mindful of what you're doing. Be mindful when you eat. If the strawberry is tasteful. Take the good taste. This is great. But transcending is a different dimension. Transcending is a different dimension. It's going beyond the surface level and enjoying the fish on the way, but going to the source, to the where everything is. So transcendental meditation takes us to not just removing stresses and you know enjoying the past, which is there anyway, of course, and it's a fabulous side benefit of transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditations help us develop consciousness. They help us develop awareness. They help us to be enlightened. It takes us to the source. It takes us to our true self. We go there. We go to where the source of the fish and the source of the waves and the source of everything is and experience that which contains all the realities, all the waves, all the fish, all the trees, all the oceans, all the galaxies are there in ourself and we go to that. So by transcending, by going away, we don't go away, we go to everything we get out of the drop into the ocean. Which can be, the drop is beautiful, it's nice, it's all of this, but we want the ocean that creates all the drops. And that's within ourselves. So that's the dimension that transcending gives, that transcendental meditation gives. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, so this is kind of a long question, so I'm gonna give it my person personality onto it. How do we balance our all-important practices for development of consciousness with our natural desire to be informed citizens? Going into um, wanting to maintain a happy and rested state, do we ignore the changes going on? 
and talking about how some people would ignore the world entirely to safeguard their own happiness, and others favoring a rested state at all costs, including attending group program, and others maintain regularity of practices, but also stay aware of current events. So it's talking about this delicate balance. Um, it's, this question is looking for your advice in terms of being in the world and I think of maintaining our happiness. See, it depends on our call in life. You know, our call in life means our vocation and our dharma. So I didn't mention dharma and in, in the intuition. Intuition, you know, just to, to go back because <laughs> uh, dharma is correct action action to be in the correct direction. It also means vocation. What is my dharma? It means what is my vocation in life? How do I fulfill my purpose? How do I find my purpose and fulfill my dreams? I just did a webinar, by the way. I hope you all will see it uh, on Facebook <laughs> on how to find our purpose and all of that. So intuition helps us to find our purpose and therefore it's not necessarily the same but can be useful as we go along. Now, how do we fulfill our dharma in life, our call in life? And that is a very personal thing. Now, every individual wants to do the best that they can but different individuals want to do the best in different areas of their expertise. Some are teachers, some are pianists, some are violinists, some are pilots, some are doctors, some are politicians, some are you know, activists, some are activists in culture, some activists to protect the environment or to save animal life or to save the energy of the world, create electricity from sun or that. So these are different individual calls in life. Now, underlying all these individual calls and dharmas, if you like, vocations of life, is the energy, the intelligence that is needed to fulfill those, these goals, to fulfill in the most comprehensive way these particular goals. If we find ourselves lost in the outside, we lose the energy and intelligence that makes us achieve the best on the outside. So we have to create a balance between the inner being and the outer activity. And that is why it is very important to transcend, to meditate, and then to act. Meditate and then act. Now, there are different vocations. There are people who are made to create a family and have children. There are people who are made to be recluse. There are people who are made to be monks. There are people who are made to be politicians. There are people who are made to be doctors, etc., uh, etc. Et and there are people who devote their life to creating heaven on earth or to creating a happy society and to be in that environment. So every one of us has steps for their own progress. And in the Bhagavad Gita, in the teachings, Marshi also repeats, is that you do your own vocation, your own call. And it says, taking one's own dharma is best for oneself. Trying to take the dharma of another, even if it is better in merit, can be dangerous. Okay? So it is not that leave everything and come and do this 
maybe for some of us, it's what their dharma is, what they feel their life calling is. For others, they want to be an activist, they want to be a politician, they want to be an environmentalist, a pilot. Fine, this is their dharma, and they do it the best they can. So what is needed for every one of them is to transcend. Now, if you ask me where I would inspire you to go and to do, I'll say stay here, teach in this university, bring your friends to this university. <laughs> go to the dome. <laughs> and let people be happy. And that would be the best thing to do. Um, now, you might feel, okay, I might call some friends, but I don't want to devote my life to this because I have a different calling. Then fine, it's your calling. See, you just do it. See, it's important to hear your inner voice and make a decision based on restful mind, restful feeling, restful consciousness, and see where things are. The fact that you are here is already an indication that you have a higher level of interest. You have a higher level of desire for yourself and for society. And you have seen the value of consciousness-based education and of this tremendous institution that we are so proud of in MUM and its leaders and teachers, its president, its board of directors. They're all devoted to that. And you see all these wonderful people who are here and who go to the Dome because they found this is the highest they can do in their life. And they devoted their life to that. So the balance you will find in a simple way, in an innocent way, in a grand way, and keep your mind open to the highest always. What is the best? What's the highest that I can do in my life? See, this is the question I ask myself. What is the highest I can do in my life? I wanted to be a doctor. Okay, I became a doctor. And I found medicine had some limitations. I thought I can do to research. Maybe I can find something amazing in research. I found also it's a long time process to find this one little molecule that does this in the brain, you know. A whole lifetime spent doing that. It's fabulous. You get published, you can get a Nobel Prize. But I felt like there's something more to life. So when I came to Maharishi, I found, well, that's something that makes every scientist who's looking for every molecule better and makes every you know, military person not have to fight and makes uh, every politician more comprehensive, more unifying, more holistic. So why don't I spend time on that? So that was my calling. And it brought me fulfillment, and that's how I did it. But everyone will do and follow the path that calls them. Proper rest, proper activity. How to do it? We give a program that is balanced, and then you see how to do it. If you give priority to the self also, then you have the energy and strength to achieve more effectively in the outside world. And so you find, you find that. You find that balance. And always remembering that you have to water the root of life in order for the tree to remain healthy. If you extend yourself too much, it means leaving the root dry, and then the fruits will not be so fulfilling. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so are entheogens, marijuana, shrooms, etc., 
uh, useful for the development of higher states of consciousness? And what are the uh, short and long-term effects of their use? They're useful for compromising the development of higher states of consciousness. <laughs> so we stay away from them. The thing is, a nervous system is so complex and has so many things that you can act on one molecule or one set of molecules in a special part and produce an effect that can be positive, yet at the same time act on other parts and it can be destructive. And so we stay away from artificial ways to manipulate the nervous system and therefore we don't take a risk in this direction. It might in some cases, for example, reduce pain or this or that or alleviate certain anxieties uh, here and there. But even those things should be used very carefully, medically, under control, as allowed you know, by the law, as allowed by the FDA or the laws of the country and all of that. And these laws are not there to create headaches or prevent people from having fun. They are there to protect. They are, you know, responsible people who do research and who find what helps, what doesn't help, what allowed, what is not allowed. And so from our perspective, anyway, we find that even many modern medicines are going too far in their mechanisms of action and can disrupt the nervous system and all of that, let alone these recreational things that are not allowed and not researched and whose effects can be detrimental. So we stay away from that. At the same time, I want to say that we're not against medicine. We have to use the medical procedure. So don't think or come out of this, what I just said, saying, oh, I shouldn't do any medicine. I should be natural and all that. If you have a problem, you have a disease, you see your doctor, you get treated with whatever is available. And this is Maharshi's guidance. So don't say, I don't want side effects, so I don't get this, I don't do this, I don't take medicine, and I let myself become unhealthy. So we use whatever is available in a logical way, and we avoid things that are recreational, and we shouldn't need them if we are practicing regularly our program, and if we need help, we can ask for help from Ayurveda, from healthy things, and if this is seeming to take time to respond, we can take help from medical profession and all sort things out with counseling, with friends, with all of that. Find other ways to alleviate any kind of anxieties or issues that make us go trying things. In general, when in doubt, abstain. <laughs> so when in doubt, abstain, be safe, you know. Don't go to a place where you're doubtful, you don't know, let me try it. Why try it? It's just, there is a doubt, it's not sure, it can compromise my life. Don't try it. You don't lose very much. <laughs> okay? Thank you. The next question is very practical. Questions on consciousness-based education. What is consciousness-based education and what is its value? Is consciousness-based education a belief system? What careers or jobs can I get with a degree in consciousness? And how does consciousness-based education connect the different fields of a study? 
Consciousness-based education is an education based on the development of consciousness. The idea that developing consciousness is fundamental for success in life, is fundamental for fulfillment, is fundamental for happiness, it's fundamental for peace in society. And it is not a belief system because it has been researched. See, transcendental meditation is a consciousness-based technique. You don't, you know, you don't drink anything or eat anything. You don't do physical exercise. You, what do you do in transcendental meditation? You just are allowing consciousness to settle down. So that is consciousness-based. It is not mind-based to separate it from mind-based. Mind-based would be like mindfulness and thinking about things and analyzing things or intellect-based. This is kind of surface level still as far as our programs are concerned because these are on the level of contemplation, on forcing the mind, on manipulating the mind, on thinking about things in a way or another. These are surface level of basing one's education, one's growth on. So for example, what this highlights for our university, your university, is that it is not just based on information and intellectual analysis, which are there and which are great and which we want to acquire. But we see all of these as ways to develop you, to develop the individual. And what is you? Are you the body? Yes, in part, but the body is consciousness also. <laughs> the mind is consciousness. Our reality as we experience it and live it is through consciousness. You know, when you say, I am happy, when you say, I love something, when you say, I feel peace, what is this? This is a color of your consciousness. Your consciousness takes the color of happiness. Your consciousness takes the color of love. Your consciousness takes the color of peace. And you say, I feel peace. What is I feel peace? I feel love. Where is love? It's a feeling. It's, what is a feeling? It's a color of your awareness. It's a color of your consciousness. Your consciousness right now is colored by love. Your consciousness is colored by happiness. So that is consciousness-based education. So even when we study things intellectually, this university feels, how does this study improve the consciousness of the individual? So more and more we are developing what? The individual, the individual thinking process, the individual's planning process, the individual intelligence, which is consciousness. And the specifics might change. You might also yourself find yourself being very passionate about one area and then you know, losing interest. You won't say, oh, I lost my life studying this. Well, you were studying the laws of nature. When you study the laws of nature, whether you study them in physics or chemistry or biology or in psychology, you are studying how nature works how nature functions, how things work in life, in relationships. In this. And then you can apply this systematic thinking, this intelligent thinking to any situation. And the specifics you can learn very quickly. <laughs>
And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.